series, we are certainly in a series uh, about listening. And we don't want you to just, yeah, that's a great idea to do on Sunday mornings. That's a Bible tells you to listen, so just go for it. We want act, to actually practice this. And so this morning, I'm going to invite you to start out in a very comfortable position. We are going to engage in an abbreviated spiritual practice. Uh, it's called Lectio Divina. And we've encouraged you in this month, the month of September, to engage in this practice called Lectio Divina, uh, where you uh, read God's word and, and listen for what God is saying in God's word to you. Uh, we made these cards conveniently. They look like this. Uh, maybe you picked one up last week. Maybe you can pick one up this week. But instead of just saying, here's a practice, good luck, we thought we would actually practice it this morning together. And so I will be reading our passage of scripture uh, and, and offering you two invitations. Generally, uh, in Lectio Divina, you can read the passage as many times as you want. Four. Uh, four times is usually uh, what is suggested. Today we will do uh, a two-reading. A two uh, and the first time I read through the passage, I want you to be listening for a, a word or a phrase that catches your attention. You don't need to explain why just yet, but just pay attention to what catches your attention. Sometimes it's helpful to write it down. We also have these little... Um, what are these called? Little journals, little notebooks for you uh, that you might be able to, to write this down and pay attention to it. If you don't have one of those, take a scrap piece of paper, a gum wrapper, whatever it works, because God can speak in any way. I'll read the passage once. I will uh, have a time of silence for you to reflect on that word or phrase that's been offered to you that you are paying attention to. And then the second time I'll re I will read it, uh, and the question you will... Uh, be wondering is what is God calling me to do today or this week in light of what I hear, right? What is God calling me to do today or this week in light of what I hear? I will remind you of that question when we get to it. So as we practice our listening, let us start in a time of silence and then I will read the passage for us. You will listen for a word or a phrase that catches your attention. Proverbs 2, 1 through 11. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you 
and understanding will guard you. Identify that word or phrase. As you hear the reading a second time, consider what is God calling me to do today or this week in light of what I hear. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. Thank you, God, for your word that says something specifically to us today. Amen. Hold on to that word or phrase. Hold on to that question or the application question. And feel free as you walk about uh, today, as you interact with people here, ask them, what was your word? Tell me, what did it mean for your life? As we've been studying the book of Proverbs, or these first few chapters in Proverbs, uh, we've been asking this question, why is it that we listen? Last week, we, we said that, that, that God has a desire for, for to, to, to say something to us. That God wants to say something to us specifically, and, and what God wants to say is good. But the next part of that question, why do we listen? Certainly, God has a desire to say something. The next part of why we listen is because we have a desire, humans, us individuals, us as a body, us as a community, us really as a world, have a desire to make good and life-giving choices. We listen to God because God has something good to say and because we might need some help in making good life-giving choices. You see, at the intersection of God's desire to say something to us and our desire to make good life-giving choices is, is what we call wisdom and, and discernment and, and the work of listening. It was a Tuesday morning when, my, when I found myself at one of these intersections. Uh, literally, yes, and metaphorically, yes. 
Uh, in a new rhythm for our family in the fall, one of us leaves early in the morning uh, to come to work, and Tuesday was my early day. And commuting from Kent, which is where we live each day, gives us some options uh, on the way to work. And I type in those, you know, I need to go to work, and, and I put it into my phone, and it gives me these options right there on the screen of my phone. It's so nice. I'm always looking for the fastest way, the most unobstructed way, the easiest way. And so Apple Maps gave me three options by which to come here early in the morning. And each of those options took less than 40 minutes, okay? Usually, like Sunday mornings, it can take 22 minutes. I won't tell you how fast we're going, but 22 minutes on Sunday mornings. But uh, on this particular Tuesday, less than 40 minutes. And I have to be honest, I didn't really like that answer. I presumed that I could just outsmart the system and override the technology and make it here in less than 30 minutes, which was my goal when I left home. You see where this is going, right? Yeah, okay. My own way was the uh, back roads, because surely those back roads must be better. And I had a sneaking suspicion that my navigation system didn't want me to get to work on time and, and wanted me to take the not-so-express way to work like some sort of tyrannical plot, okay? But my uh, navigation system, I now know, had my best interest in mind. I knew about the... Uh, uh, the, the navigation system knew about the backup on Maple Valley Highway to turn onto 154th. It also knew about the construction on Duval and that taking Nile Avenue uh, w would be sneaky, but it would also be littered with bus stops. <laughs> All those precious junior hires needed to get on the bus. It was precious. And then there was the Newport High School traffic here, right in front of church. It took me 15 minutes to get just from, it was ridiculous. One minute shy of an hour after I left, I arrived here, okay? I was quietly fuming. I was very frustrated by myself, by my lack of trust in my navigation system, and I was frustrated that everyone else needed to leave at the exact same time I did. Didn't they know I had someplace to be? Having a dynamic navigation system on my phone does nothing if I don't follow what it suggests. Listening to God does nothing if you don't do something with what God says. Proverbs 2 outlines some of what this looks like, some of how we can pattern our lives to listening to, and then, yes, also responding to God. And it's not an exhaustive list where some things are left out. There is no such thing as a comprehensive list of how to listen to God in Scripture. But Proverbs 2 gives us some rhythms to help us access our desire for God and for also making good choices. Why do we listen why do we listen to God? Because God desires to say something good to us, and we desire to make good choices. Did you know that adults are faced uh, with an average of 35,000 choices in a day? What time to set the alarm, what to eat for breakfast, how much coffee is too much coffee, what tasks to prioritize, who needs our attention, how will I get from here to there? 
There's also then the deeper choices that we make each day. Those that, that speak and form our, uh, speak to and form our identity, our character, how we are in community. Each one, no matter how inconsequential or very consequential those choices are, require some kind of direction. And while some choices don't need divine direction, I am certain that God's direction in our lives is very patterned. That if God cares about the very hairs on our heads, that God would care about the ounces of coffee we drink, the tasks we choose to do, the ways that our actions match our character and our identity. And these patterns of living and discerning, we're in them all the time, 35,000 choices in a day. These are present to us. And so Proverbs has something to say about the choices that we make. You see, these choices, as we do them, as we walk with God in them, as we make these choices, we do it in a learned pattern. These are practices of listening and discerning are developed over time. We do practice them and we do them with intention it doesn't just happen to us we commit to it i was following a car recently obviously my commute has been a source of spiritual inf- uh, inspiration recently and i noticed the bumper sticker a uh, new driver patience please you've seen these right yes it's hard to be uh, patient sometimes behind the driver but i remember learning to drive Every single part of it felt very foreign. You're, you're, you're a body in this giant thing, and you're supposed to control that thing with your body and your brain, and it's a lot of work. And it felt so unpracticed, right, when you're new in the driver's seat and, and so unrhythmic. And I don't know how to drive stick shift, and you can condemn me for that later, but those of you who know how to drive stick shift, that's a whole other kind of patterned learning. You see, the work of learning to drive requires voluntary responses, meaning you have to really think through what you're going to do and how you're going to do it as you're learning. It requires a new driver to think through every system, every process, then practice them again and again and again until it becomes natural, until you don't have to think about how do I merge onto the freeway or how do I parallel park? Maybe you still have to think about that. That's just fine, okay? It's totally fine. The same thing goes with listening to and responding to God. It is a learned practice. It requires hours logged and mistakes made and and getting the feel for it and, and trusting the process of it. The first four verses of Proverbs chapter 2 indicate that there's something that humans can do to listen to God. And I would like to call these our voluntary responses in the practice of listening to God. This is what humans can do to avail themselves to God's voice. And so if we look at verses 1 through 4, we see what I'd call three practices as we set out to listen to and to respond to God. And the first practice is to repent. In verse 2, it says, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. One of the most difficult things uh, in listening to and in responding to God is the fear of making mistakes. What if I 
choose wrong? What if I hear God wrong? What if we do the wrong thing as a result of hearing God? Remember, we want to make good choices. And this is why God has gifted us with the practice of repentance. I think repentance is one of the most beautiful parts of being in a relationship with God. Because repentance, despite what you may think you know about repentance, uh, repentance simply means to turn. That's all. Frequently we hear the invitation to turn away from sin and destruction and, and bad choices. But the word and the action of repentance actually doesn't require a a dichotomy of good versus evil. Repentance doesn't require that we have to turn from something bad toward something good. Sometimes it's just the invitation to turn from something good towards what might be goodest. When I type that into my sermon, it gives me the red squiggly line. It's not a word, okay? But would you allow me? Repentance is turning towards the goodest thing. And if repentance is turning towards the goodest thing, then we are invited to practice repentance all day long. This requires us to then get very honest and humble, but not in a self-deprecating, degrading way. To admit that there are gooder things out there to discover is part of being human. And it is out of our created goodness that, that God wants good things for us. And when we are not, aren't yet aware of what those goodest things are, and we choose the less than goodest thing... We are simply invited to turn. Just turn a little bit towards the goodest thing. Practice number one in listening to and discerning God's work and doing it is to repent. Practice number two is to say what you want and what you need. Verse three says, indeed, if you call out for insight and you cry aloud for understanding... It can be a a kind of Christianese thing to be vague and wishy-washy with God. Oh God, we just want your will to be done. I mean, that's certainly true. Oh God, just bring healing. Yes, absolutely. And while it may be true that we do want God's will to be done and that we do want healing, we often neglect our own desires and our own requests, our own deep down needs. The author of Proverbs, Solomon, is very clear. If you want clarity on something, yell really loud for it. We need not be shy with God. It doesn't make any sense to just be like, and if you might, just could you? We need not be quiet or timid about the things that we want and we need when we are with God as if God doesn't know what we want or what we need. It's silliness to not be honest with God. And if we're not honest with God, we're lying. If we are to truly listen to God and discern what God wants, then we need to be honest about what we want too. 
Only when everything is on the table are we able to discern what God is saying to the things that we are asking. If we are seeking direction, we must get specific about it. If there is a provision that you need, you get to tell God plainly. If you need healing or restoration or wholeness, be honest, truly honest about what's ailing you as much as you know about it. This is part of the process of of discovering and discerning God's goodness and our work of making choices that align with that goodness. To be honest with God. Practice number one is to repent. Practice number two is to say what we want and what we need. And practice number three is to pursue it. Verse four says, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. The last uh, uh, practice in accessing what God desires and, and then responding to it is to actually just start somewhere. We may never discover what it is that God wants if we just sit back and wait for that thing to arrive for us in our laps. It's like if you've lost something. Anyone lost anything of importance to them in their whole life? Okay, thank you. Now, I am am not completely absent-minded, but I have a very annoying tendency of losing keys. To be specific, church keys. I warned our staff when we began at Newport that I was notorious at our previous church for losing keys. I was on round nine when we uh, left. And uh, sure enough, uh, just a few months into the job, like literally a few months into the job, I lost a set of church keys, Newport church keys. Uh, and I searched and I, and I searched and I searched. And, and unfortunately, this took place around the time when we were moving houses And so the keys could have been anywhere between uh, Newport Hills and Kent. Uh, I searched through our cars. I I, I searched through our temporary home. I searched through our current home. uh, And I, uh, all the bags that I had used when we were um, in transition, looked through all those, all the boxes we transported. Maybe it ended up in the stuffy bin. I had no idea. Nothing. I have completely and permanently lost these keys. And we have been living, Paul and I, by sharing one set of keys for this church for uh, over a year now. And just, reala- just recently I realized that I could do this very novel thing by getting a copy. Okay? I- I'm in the work of that. There may be times when God drops what God wants into our laps. Those are fun times. But other times we are invited on a bit of a hunt. And if you come up without the specific thing that you want, God might provide a third option. Something that you never thought before. And it might answer the question that you've been asking, but not in the way that you've been asking it. For me, it's not that those keys would come back into my possession. It's perhaps that I would get a copy of a key and then be able to open doors again. If we just sit around and wait for God to drop things into our laps... We're never actually doing the will of God, discerning the will of God, participating in the will of God. Proverbs invites us to pursue it. And so with these practices, 
with uh, the practice of repenting, of, of saying what we want, and then pursuing the thing that God is calling us to. Uh, God is seeking to intersect his goodness with our desire for goodness. And at these intersections, God is the one that does something. This is the involuntary nature of listening to God. If there was the voluntary nature in those three practices, our participation, our availing ourselves to doing and practicing what God wants, this now is the involuntary nature of listening to, to God. We do things, and then we trust that God might respond to us. Proverbs 2 says two, uh, two things about this, that, that God holds and protects the choices we make with our own, with his own hand. He holds us in his hands. Verses 7 and 8, he holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just, and he protects the way of his faithful ones. When we truly listen to God, when we follow the rhythms of repentance and honestly asking for things and then pursuing them, God is responsible for the outcome. And this is very, very good news. It means that we cannot manipulate or coerce or force or adjust what God has in store for us in this regular rhythm of listening to and responding to God. God will do what, only what God can do. And so much of, uh, that we couldn't even mess it up if we tried. We couldn't even mess it up if we tried. The passage goes on to say that, that the more that you and I pursue the intersections of God's desire for goodness and our desire for goodness, that we become more and more prone to head in the direction that God wants. We would follow the navigation system and its suggestions. That the more that we pursue the intersections of God's desire for goodness and our desire for God's goodness, the more and more we become inclined towards righteousness and justice and fairness. These stop sounding like worldly values, and these uh, sound more and more like the character of God as we continue to pursue these intersections of goodness. And then finally, our whole beings, not just our souls, not just our ears, not just our spirits, they become more attuned to God's direction. Our heart is, becomes hungry for it. Our body knows that it needs it. We actually then realize we can't make any good choice without God's presence with us. When we devote ourselves to the practice of listening, to developing the rhythms of discerning and living what God wants, we discover a, a second nature within us. This is the intersection of our desires with God's desires. And the more we pursue this intersection, the more we are able to respond to what God wants for us and from us and with us. And it is hard It was on Tuesday, after I arrived at work fuming, that I had a few minutes to do my devotions, and I read this prayer. And I thought, oh, really? But I was listening already. 
And so I'd like to pray this prayer over us as we pursue this kind of listening together. Uh, This is a prayer by Thomas Merton in his book, Thoughts on Solitude. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that desire in everything I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. In Jesus' name, amen.